Welcome to the Bear Down Podcast presented by Arizona Athletics. I'm Matt Enzer, joined here by the Dean of Arizona Head Coaches, Dave Rubio, Head Coach of Arizona Volleyball, also Pac-12's active winningest volleyball coach. Dave, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. It's an honor to be here. Absolutely. And it's uh, it's fun to have you here. We're, you're about, you know, in uh, just starting conference play this year. But I want, as we always do with this, start back in the past a little okay. bit, get a little bit of your story. Um, one thing that I think is very interesting about your genesis here and your start here in Arizona was being here at what was deemed the golden era of coaches, where when you started here under the same roof in McHale, you had the likes of Dick Tomey, Lute Olson, Mike Candrea, Rick LaRose, Jerry Kendall, Frank Bush. What was it like having the opportunity to really rub shoulders with all those Hall of Fame coaches? You know, I was swimming in the deep end of the pool at that time. I was a young, you know, 32 years old, just coming from Division II at Cal State Bakersfield and really didn't have any exposure to this level of athletics and kind of what it took to win. Uh, and I really didn't realize the, the, the type of coaches and, and the quality of coaches that were here only until a few years as I got into it, all the success that they had and the national championships that they were winning. And um, did I really feel like it was a great opportunity for me to sit and watch practices and talk to those those coaches and learn from them uh, through osmosis and what they were saying to the press and then watching them communicate with those players. So um, it was a great opportunity for me to learn quite a bit from that from that group. Um, it was a wonderful time during you know that era for me. Can you? just extract maybe a, an item per one of those coaches or something that you still, you took away with you or still with you from, from all, from a sample of those. Well, you know, we were always on the back end of practice with Lou. Lou would finish practice and, you know, he'd always go over, you know, 10 to 20 minutes and I would be standing on the sidelines and with my team, but I would be watching Lou really closely and scrutinizing kind of how he communicated and how he communicated with his players and, uh, you know, how his staff, really interacted with the players and how organized they were. Um, and so it was, it was a great experience for me to kind of see one of the, obviously one of the great basketball coaches of all time, kind of do their business on a day-to-day -day basis. And so I learned quite a bit just watching. How about from, from uh, Mike Candre or from Dick Tomey or Frank Bush or some of those other coaches? You know, I, unfortunately, I, I didn't get a chance to speak with Mike a lot, but when we did, you know, we would always talk shop and, and and for Mike, it was way more about, less about the X's and O's and more about just the interpersonal relationships and how to try to connect with the players, try to get the most out of the players through the level of communication that he had with them. And it was, uh, as I've learned now, it, it's more about, you know, building the relationships and trying to build their confidence to get the most out of, out of them and what they want as well. And uh, so watching them, Frank Bush was a master motivator. Uh, he was, you know, winning the Pac-12 championships all the time, coach of the year so many years in a row. And uh, but he was so good with his players as well in terms of the relationships that he built with them. And uh, so I was um, I was really fortunate to be a young guy with, you know, surrounded by all those great coaching minds. So I'm going to test your memory a little bit here, Dave. Do you remember your first match as head coach at Arizona? Oh, gosh. I, I, I can give you I, a little I, help here. I, Either we were on the road at, at Fresno State, I think, and uh, I'm not sure if that was the first uh, match, but I think that was one of the first matches that we September played. September 4th, 1992, playing number 20 Pepperdine 
Okay. Right, top point. I think you guys were in you were in Stockton, so you're probably in Pacific. Oh tournament. yeah, you're right. Okay. But your first win as a Wildcat head coach was a top twenty-five victory, three zero. <laughs> you swept Pepperdine. Is that right? That was the very. I don't even remember 4th, that. You would think that would stand out in my uh, my bad memory, but uh, but yeah, I, I don't remember that. That's great. So and then uh, obviously you know year one you took over a winless program. Right. Come in year one, you ten to seventeen, four and fourteen in the Pac twelve. But I think what stands out to me and a lot of Wildcat fans was how immediate that turnaround really sped up uh, in your second year. Because in year two, Dave, in ninety three, you go twenty and eleven, eleven seven in the Pac twelve, and a Sweet sixteen in nineteen ninety three. What what did you see as that catalyst, as it were, of that turnaround happening? Like that, year two, sweet 16, 20 wins. Well, I, the talent was here. I was fortunate to walk in to a program where the previous coaching staff had done a really good job of recruiting top-level talent. And it was just a matter of trying to get everybody together and uh, really, uh, and in a sense, get along better. That, that was a really interesting. If you, A lot of those players are, are really close friends now, but at the time, um, there was a tremendous amount of, of uh, uh, just types of relationships that you wouldn't want to be a part of. Um, Rita being my assistant coach, Curtis isn't being part of that that era. Uh, but there, it was a it was a disenfranchised group in a lot of ways. But my goal was to try to bring them together. And and at the end of the day, those guys hated losing more than they disliked each other <laughs> and so and that's really because they really didn't like each other but they hated losing more and so I was just able to kind of bring them together enough to to get enough you know success out of them so uh, a highlight of that season among many highlights uh we go back to November 7th 1993 in McHale Arizona in five sets beats number one UCLA uh as you mentioned Rita Stubbs right. is on that team right. uh Barbell uh, Melissa Ferris, uh, and also Heidi would go on to be Brewski. Right, uh, right. Now, there was a report that the court was stormed after <laughs> that win. Do you remember that? And do you remember the same report that said that both Teddy Brewski and said Dempsey rushed the court? Right. I, I remember that match um, uh, as if it was yesterday. You know, that was uh, UCLA was a little flat coming in, and they had, you know, one of the greatest players, Annette Buckner, on that team as well. And when we won that game, if we were down or like 13-11 in the fifth set, and that's back when it was side out scoring, uh, and we were able to you know pull off the win and score four straight points, and I remember said Dempsey coming on the floor. I remember Rocky LaRose being there and Teddy, and um, the other person who was on that team that's gone on to to, to make great achievements is Stephanie Remp, who is now obviously the I'm not sure if she's the deputy senior women's administrator or vice president. I'm not sure what the title is at uh, LSU, but she's gone on and done great things as well. So that, that 1993 season that we talked about was really a catalyst for your sustained run uh, for much of Arizona. We can go through the, the hero numbers as it were. It vaulted you towards the 20 run of 20 NCAA tournaments, eight Swiss 16s, four Elite Eights, and of course an appearance in the 2001 Final Four. Uh, that 2001 season, obviously very magical right. in program history. Um, and going back and looking at it, that postseason run was pretty impressive. I went back and checked. Uh, you go f right out of the gates, four four wins, score 12 to three. You only lost three sets of those first four <laughs> wins. Um, when you think back to that magical run you had of that 2001 season, Dave, 
what stands out to you? What made that team that good at that time? Well, we had an amazing leader, Dana Burkholder, uh, who was one of the greatest to ever put on a uniform here in the most important position, the setting position. You know, and we were, that was the very first year of rally scoring too. So that was a change in the rally score. But we had her as a first team All-American. We had Jill Talbot who played opposite her, who was a first team All-American. And then we had an amazing cast of players around them. And so it was a group of young ladies that had enough talent, but really was led by one person uh, that kind of took our team and took it to a completely different level. We had a, the requisite level of talent. It wasn't, um, you know, really that much different than the top level teams. Uh, but because of that one person, she was the one that really was the catalyst. Very similar to what we have right now, actually. I mean, you got Kamali Hayopo, who's very similar to Dana in a different position than a libero position, but uh, equally as important at this point in the evolution of the game and the way it is. But um, And we have similar talent to that team. We're just really young like that team was uh, back in 1998-99. And so we, we flash forward, uh, 2018, uh, another milestone win for you, yeah. Dave. Uh, September 14, 2018, a sweep of New Mexico State for win number 500, a sweep of a team that had your brother on right. staff, uh, and obviously a, a memorable night for you, I'm sure. What's what's the one memory you remember of that 500th win against your brother? You know, I, you know, we play in New Mexico State pretty regularly, and I, I think that anytime you win, it's it's it could be memorable. But uh, you know, it was. It's just one of a, a win that you, you're so task oriented as a head coach, you don't really think about two many, you know, one being 500 and one being 250. You know, you're just kind of ready to move on and then look at the next one. Um, little did I know that it was, you know, 500. Someone was telling me, he's like, I think in that match, like, Dave, you know, this, if you win, it's your number 500. So I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, so uh, I think, you know, for all as head coaches, we're just so focused on what's going to happen, what you're going to have to do next. And it's, again, one of your many milestone wins, Dave. You're currently top 15 in the history of NCAA Women's Volleyball. 700 career wins, nearly 700 career wins, um, both from your time at Long Beach and here. Um, now, about those wins, sweeps versus five setters. How, how do we feel about a nice, clean, easy sweep versus a, a five-setter thriller? I, I kind of have to break it into two different categories with this and the five setters. There's the five setters that you feel like they should have never been in five sets. That you should have <laughs> taken care of business in three or four. And then there's the ones that you're happy that you got to the five sets. And then you're, you know, rolling the dice and hoping that you're going to be able to pull off the upset or pull off a, a match maybe that you shouldn't have won. Um, but I think the one that you get most anxious about and the one that you get the, you know, the pit at the bottom of your stomach is the one that you should have taken care of business in three or four. And now you find yourself in the fifth set. Uh, you know, that's happened as many times as, as the ones that we've been able to be in a fifth set and be fortunate to be in a fifth set, you know, so, um, but they're always, you know, they're, they're the kind that you hate being in this year. We've had our fair share of being in five setters. Uh, it's been really good for our team. I hate being in them. It's like being in the dentist chair and getting your tooth drilled on again without Novocaine. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's really good for your team to kind of experience that kind of those kind of moments and that kind of adversity. It helps build your team and the chemistry of your team and the toughness of your team. Um, but you hate it as a coach. Would it surprise you if I told you you've had 154 trips <laughs> to the dentist as oh, the head coach God. at Arizona Volleyball? Uh, I'm not sure if that's a good stat or not. <laughs> Uh, but, and, and you touched a little bit about this earlier, 
I'm curious to know your thoughts on how the game has changed through your 30 seasons. You know, you look at that, those year one, 92, 93, to now here in, in 2021. Right. How has the game of women's volleyball at the college level changed during your tenure? Well, there's, a, there's probably three different areas you can point to. One is the most dramatic is the scoring system. When the scoring system switched from side out to the rally score, and then they, they added the libero position, that really leveled the playing field. Uh, and so there was less have than have nots, and that really brought the middle in, I mean, the, the team from the top to bottom more in the middle. And so uh, that was the one big change. The other big change is the, is the advent, I think, that's happened with all collegiate sports, all sports, is a youth sport uh, dynamic that's gone on from the time that I got hired all the way to where we see it now, which is there's, a, there's just so many more kids playing sports um, with the population base uh, being six, oh, almost 60% being in the central time zone and the eastern time zone. You're seeing a lot more of those players now, uh, kids playing volleyball in those two time zones. And so you see just a dramatic increase in, in the number of participants in volleyball. And as a result, you get more kids playing and then you got more athletes playing. And then what's happened is the Midwest and the East Coast now is equally as good as any team in the West Coast. And so you see that dynamic change quite a bit. And the last one is the last significant one I think has happened is just the the athletes and the quality of athlete that you're getting. They're more sophisticated now. You know, they're, they're growing up with playing a lot more volleyball than they did back when I was first gotten hired. Um, they're much more educated. Um, you have to be a much better communicator with those players than you did in the past. Uh, and so those three things I think have really changed the kind of the dynamic of the sports from the time that I started in the nineties to where I am right now. As a byproduct of that influx of talent, the growth of international prospects, talents. I mean, yeah. look at this year's roster day, right. you have Germany, you have Mexico, you have Turkey, you have uh, a strong international flavor right. to it. Right. You know, part for us is that they've been able to relax the rules a little bit for us to get international players. So for us, for, for decades, it was really difficult for us to get an international player that was good enough and could pass the TOEFL. You know, only within the last couple of years that they've been able to find different avenues for them to get in uh, that doesn't necessarily bypass the TOEFL, but we can take other tests to be able to get them in. So that's really helped out. But from a recruiting standpoint, the international uh, players have really one, they want to come to the United States. We're one of the few places in the world where you can, you know, really get a great education and go to school for free. And then the other, the other part of it is we can get a better recruit sometimes that'll come to Arizona from an international school from overseas than we can domestically. I hate to say that, but you know, at, in the way the landscape is kind of unfolding for us at this particular time, that's the case. So it's all a little bit coming full circle for you now, and we're going to touch about this. To, to end it with Olivia Rubio joining beach volleyball. But when I talk about Rubio's playing volleyball, I want to know what is the coach Rubio scout on Dave Rubio, the all conference player at Northridge? What was, <laughs> oh, what, what were you like oh, as a player? Oh my gosh. Uh, well, I, I, I mean, I say this tongue in cheek, but you know, I played in an era where little Asian guys could play volleyball. You know, now that's not the case. I mean, if you see any collegiate volleyball now, I mean, it's six five, six six, six nine. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't even be able to set, which is I was a setter back in those days. I, I might be able to play libero, you know, and, uh, but, you know, the game has really changed significantly, you know, from the time that I played back in the mid 70s, late 70s to where it is now. 
um, very much like the evolution of, of women's volleyball from the time that I, that I started coaching. Um, but Olivia is in a, in a great place. She's playing for a terrific coach. Uh, I feel like she's fortunate to be here. Uh, I said she's earned her way on here so that, you know, there was no influence by me uh, on that. I mean, I, I would never do that, but I, I'm very proud of how she conducts her life uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, very task-oriented. It's really smart, much smarter than her dad, much more athletic than I ever was. Uh, so her- play a different position, right? She's that's right, that's right, that's to, right. To so she, the setter. That's right. So, uh, but she's, you know, it's a different, she's, I'm really proud of, of the person that she's become more than anything. What does it mean to you to have uh, your daughter play at Arizona, a place where you've now 30th season coaching? You know, it's funny is it that, I, you know, I, I'm, I, I think as head coaches, we're so, you know, down the rabbit hole during the season, which is I am right now. But the, the time that I really appreciate it is, is when I'm in the locker room and I'm talking to the team and then she's coming in from beach practice and I get a chance to see her or she'll stop by the office and, and she goes, hey, what kind of snacks do you have? You know, I can have, I'm really hungry. You know, I really appreciate those moments and I'm um, glad that she's here and, uh, you know, you think that they're going to be kids, you know, for all those parents, you think your kids are going to be kids forever. And the reality is that, you know, here Olivia is just, you know, five, six years ago, she was just this little teenager, barely becoming a teenager. Now here she is a full fledged adult and you just don't realize how quickly that time passes. And, you know, I think as parents, um, you know, often take it for granted that it is going to be kids forever. And that's not the reality. You know, I got two twins, I got twins that are entering high school and we're going to be empty nesters here before you know it, you know, so, um, but I appreciate her being here. Well, I know a lot of the fans are looking forward to seeing her play in beach volleyball yeah. season spring, but we're also looking forward to the rest of your 21, 2021 season, Dave. Uh, thanks for taking your time out today and uh, best of luck for the rest I of the season. I appreciate it, Matt. It's great being here and I love being a Wildcat and uh, it's been an honor to be here for this long.